Okay, and let's, let's first pray for yourself. Ask God to, to prepare your heart. Prepare your heart to hear and to receive. And then let's pray for Janahan. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit will anoint him and he will speak forth what God wants to say. Father God, we thank you for your word, your, your law that is perfect, that revives the soul and, and that, that speaks to us and, and is real and relevant to our lives. And God, today we pray that as we hear your word, God, would you give us hearts that are ready to receive and ready to respond. So Father, we pray that you will bless Janahan, you will anoint him as he speaks. And Father, we pray that today you will, you will have your way in this place, that you will be at the center of everything, and you'll be glorified and exalted here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sorry, I, I really wanted this water. Okay, what's up, guys? Um, unfortunately, the clicker has gone missing, so... Uh, Maybe you can just check if you're sitting on it. If, you're, if no one can find it, then Noah, please help me uh, with my sermon slides. Oh, oh, it's not Noah. Okay. It's Anna. Okay. Please help me. Thank you. <laughs> okay, guys. You see, when I was in JC, um, I had this teacher, and his name was uh, Mr. Peter Booth. Uh, oh. Oh, oh, Jocelyn. Oh, Jocelyn O knows him. Oh. Okay, uh, yeah, but Mr. Booth, and Mr. Booth was a literature teacher, and he was this like, he was a pretty uh, tubby uh, English gentleman, and um, Joash and I, uh, Joash is of course Joanne's brother, and we were in the same class, and, and, and we loved him, we loved him, because Mr. Booth was like the slackest teacher around, okay? This guy would come 20 minutes late to class, and then he'll come and he'll like, oh, oh, sorry guys, I tell you, the weather, it's terrible, it's so hot. And I'm like, how long have you been living in Singapore? How can you even use that as an excuse to come late to, ch to class? Like, imagine if I could just go around and like, hey guys, I'm sorry, the weather is too hot, I, I can't preach today, the weather is too hot. <laughs> and and he, was, he was really uh, this type of guy, he'll come 20 minutes late to class, and um, there was this one time, I had a classmate, uh, his name was uh, Singhui, and as I understand, in uh, the Chinese language, Singhui is actually normally a girl's name, uh, but for some reason, this, he's a guy, and his name is Singhui. We actually called him Puss, um, I don't know which is worse. Um, but yeah, yeah. so, so Singhui was a swimmer, he's actually a water polo player, but he would go for the swimming competitions as well. And then there was this time when um, he was out at the swimming competitions in Topayo, and it, it was Mr. Booth's class, and, and he was like, oh, taking the attendance, and he was like, Singhui, where's Singhui? And we were like, uh, Singhui, sir, swimming, sir. Swimming? Oh, that's brilliant. Come on, girls, grab your bikinis. Let's all go swimming. And I tell you, the guy really looked like he was going to go out of the class, 
And if we had a pool in the, in the JC at that point of time, I think he would have done that. So this was the type of guy that uh, Mr. Booth was. And he, he was really fun. Um, I liked him, and, and, and we all liked him. But um, I liked him because he was brilliant, actually. Uh, the reason he could do these things, the reason he could come uh, late to class, the reason he could sleep in class, he would actually sleep in class. And normally students sleep in class, and teachers sleep in class. Um, it's because he was brilliant, and, and he could teach you a book that uh, took one semester to, it was on the uh, syllabus for one semester in two weeks. So he'll teach it in two weeks, and you'll be completely prepared for the exam. So he was a very smart guy. And, um, you know, like, um, I don't know what the syllabus for literature now is, but back then we'd do six books over two years, and um, we had two teachers, so each teacher will take three books. And Mr. Booth taught me this uh, in the first, sem uh, first semester of JC, so in Sem 1 of J1. He taught us this book called Silas Manor. Next slide. Is it there? Ah, there, Silas Manor. It's not a bad book. There are some weird views on Christianity, but uh, apart from that, it's not a bad book. Um, and I remember he gave us this essay to do on Silas Manor, which we had to do over one of the holidays. Uh, I think it was like the March holidays. And you know, like, I was, I was in the art stream, so I was, I was doing essays like week in, week out. You know, that's what you do in arts. You just write and write and write. And, um, and then I went to law school, and you know, I was doing essays week in, week out, and that's what you do in law school. You write and write and write. And, and I, I became a lawyer, and we don't do any more essays, but we still write and write and write. And, and, and even as a junior lawyer, you know, you're, you'll give your work to your bosses, and um, they'll come back with comments. And normally, because you're a junior lawyer, they come back with a lot of comments. And after all the writing, I still, to this day, remember this essay that I submitted to, to Mr. Booth. And I actually don't remember what I wrote, but I remember receiving it back. And I got a B. And depending on uh, what your disposition is, that can either be the end of the world or it could be a cause for celebration. But um, I got a B, but I, I, I wasn't really bothered by the grade. What bothered me was the comment he made. And, and I say comment in singular because Mr. Booth, being the slacker that he is, uh, only wrote one comment. And uh, after, like, you write all this essay, and then he just gives you one comment. And then... But his comment was this. His comment was, your essay promised much, but failed to deliver. And I don't know about you, but that type of comment always gets to me. Like, I mean, you want to tell me my essay is rubbish? I would, I would rather take that than, than this type of, like, I don't know, British snarky comments. And, and, I, and I still remember it. I think that's why I remember it. That, that, that comment was like, ah, it really irritated me. But the reason I'm sharing the story is because today when we study the Church of Sardis, the Church of Sardis is really a church which promised much but failed to deliver. It's a church with a lot of potential but just didn't live up to it. And that is why I think the book of uh, this letter to the Church of Sardis is important because I really believe that every, each and every one of us here and the ministry as a whole, and the church as a whole, has a lot of promise. And we want to realize that promise. And, and so we need to learn from the church of Sardis what Jesus had to say to Sardis, because it, why did it fail to deliver? And that's what we want to look at today. So why don't we look at the text? Uh, let's read the text together. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. 
I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will be like them, dressed in white, and I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that, person, acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. And I know we prayed just now, but let's just bow our heads uh, and pray again just before we go into the word proper. Jesus, I thank you for your word and I thank you for your letters to the seven churches, including this one to the church of Sardis. They are full of treasure and full of wisdom relevant to our lives. And I, I believe that today you really have something to tell us about fulfilling our potential, fulfilling our prom promise. Holy Spirit, I welcome you here in this place. And I ask that you prepare our hearts and you prepare my lips to preach the word of God. Let only the words that you have ordained be spoken. And let all who have ears hear what you have to say. Amen. Can we go to the next slide? So, by now you should be familiar with this um, structure. Uh, you can just click again. Uh, I think that Joanne introduced in, in, in the first sermon on how we can break each of the letters down. Now, I don't want to go into this in detail, but I just thought I'll put it out there as an overview of, of how this, uh, this uh, letter is. So, we, ha we have seven parts to it. Address, attribute, approval, accusation, advice, appeal, and assurance. And, I mean, the address is standard. The attribute, these are the words of him who have the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And we already know what the seven stars are. They are the angels of the seven churches. But what are the seven spirits of God? We'll talk about that a bit later. Uh, and then we come to approval. And this is the important part for this slide here. There is no approval for Sardis. This is the first church that we are looking at where the letter from Jesus has no approval. Now, some people say that Verse 4 is a, some form of approval where he, he makes a concession and says that, you know, there's some who have not sold their clothes. But I don't really think so because that's, that's only directed to a few. It's not directed to the church as a whole. So by and large, there's no approval for the church of Sardis. And that's why the next one, the accusation becomes more important because this letter is all about the accusation. And the accusation is very strong. It is, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You are dead. He's not saying here you are dying. He's saying you are dead. And then we have the advice, which we'll look at, and we have the appeal. Let him who have ears hear. And, and interesting, like criteria, the appeal is before the assurance, and then we have the assurance. And, and so what I want to do now is rather than going into each of the seven um, parts of this, or seven uh, parts of this letter, I really want to look at what I said was the main message here. And the main message is in the accusation. It is, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. And this is the main trust. This is what Jesus wants the church of Sardis to get in. And everything else in this letter sort of takes reference from this one line. So let's go to the next slide. 
So you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Now, what is Jesus saying here? Now, Jesus is saying that while many people, including probably the church itself, may consider the church to be spiritually alive, he is not fooled. The reality is that the church is in fact spiritually dead. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, Paul talks about a very similar idea. He talks about people who have a form of godliness, but not its power, but deny its power. And it's the same idea because what they're saying is there's essentially a difference between how people see you, between your appearance, between your reputation, and what you are in actual fact, between the form and the reality. And you know, it's a bit like, it's a, bit like a burnt out star. You know it's a burnt out star? You know, you go out into the, at night and you go and look at the stars and you see a lot of stars, except if you're seeing a lot of stars, you're probably not in Singapore because you, you, you won't be able to see a lot of stars at night in Singapore. But say, say you're somewhere like Norway and you're looking out in the sky and there are like millions of stars. There are like so many stars and they all look very bright. They look bright. You can see the lights. They're twinkling. It's amazing. But do you know that like hundreds, thousands of those stars are actually dead? They're actually dead stars. They might look like they're bright, but they're actually dead. And why is that? Because the stars are far away. They're many light years away from us. And even though they have died, their light is still slowly traveling to the earth. And so they have, a, they have this appearance of being bright. They have this appearance of looking bright, of, of looking amazing, glorious, but the actual reality is that they are dead. And it's the same with the church of Sardis. On the outside, they seemed alive. And you know, when you look deeper, when you look at their hearts, it was, really, it was just really dead. And you know, you might think, okay, that's great. It sounds great in the abstract. Well, I, I get what you're saying. But what does this really mean? What does this mean um, at a practical level? Uh, what does this mean? What, 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 did, what was the church of Sardis doing that was, Jesus was so upset about? What, was he, what were they not doing? Because we, we want to learn from them, right? And, and this is something that as I studied the letter uh, really bugged me because it, it seemed that there were a lot of like, general statements about what this is. But, but I want to really know what is it that it means? What, what is it that we should watch out for? And what I want to present to you... Oh, hey, no need to go so fast. <laughs> uh, yeah, what I want to present to you today is um, that there are three, uh, at least what I got out of this, I just want to present to you that there are three types of so-called dead Christians, or three types of Christians in the church of Sardis. And, um, and um, yeah, and, and, and it's going to like, yeah, it might sound a bit like some one of those like wah banana videos, you know, like the, the, the seven types of people you meet in the gym and like there's the, the, the grunter and, and, and things like that. And it's a bit like that, except it's better, because this is the book of, uh, this is the word of the Lord, right? And, and I want us to look at it, but I want to be a bit careful, because I think, I think I was just struggling with this, and I don't want to put labels, too many labels, because I think that they have a, you, we sometimes have a tendency to, yeah, very post-postmodern, right? Like, no labels, no labeling. But um, uh, I, I don't want to put labels, because I, I don't want it to be a, like, a opportunity for us to, to judge it's really going to be a, I want it to be a thing where we, we look at ourselves and we reflect. Because I think if we really reflect inside each of us, we would see that there is a bit of each of these three types of uh, Sardisians uh, in us. Or that we can relate to them. 
So um, yeah, so let, let, let us go into it. The first type of um, guy that you will find in the Church of Sardis is what I call the Mr. Okay, now you can click. Yes, the Mr. Weekend Christian. And, and don't, don't worry, girls, uh, I use Mr., but it could be a Miss Weekend Christian as well. And, and um, this guy, he's basically, he's basically, to him, Christianity is really just an obligation. He goes to church every weekend, maybe grudgingly, but for the rest of the week, really, there is no God in his life. There, there, there's no reason. He, he doesn't care about prayer. He doesn't care about the Word of God. He has no interest in spending time with God. And, and it's like he's just going through the motions. He's just going through the motions. And the thing about him, why is, he, why is, why is Jesus talking to him? Because he, he calls himself a Christian, but really when you look deep inside, it is, there's not much of Christianity in his life. It is like a, a container, which on the outside has a label, Christian, but when you open it, it is completely empty. Have you ever had that situation? Like when you're, when you're hungry in the middle of the night and, and you go to the kitchen and you like open the cupboard and you're like, ah, Pringles! Alright, there's Pringles. And then you take the Pringles and you're like, there's nothing inside. And you're like, who is this stupid fella that put this empty box of Pringles in, in the cupboard? Who didn't throw this away? Then you get really mad. <laughs> right, that's, that's good. Because I, unfortunately, I can't, I can't say that anymore because now I live alone. So if there's an empty box of Pringles in my cupboard, there's only one person that could, put it, could have put it there. But, but that's what it is for, for these guys, for some of these guys in Sardis. Their Christian life is really just an empty box of Pringles. And, and you know, right now, I think, I don't know, there might be some of you here who can identify with this, who can identify with this. Who, who know that, that you know the Spirit is speaking to you right now and that, that your, your Christian life might have thus far felt empty. I felt like an empty box of Pringles. And, and I think today what, what I want to say to you do is this. Don't mistake the start for the finish. Don't mistake the start for the finish. What do I mean by this? Accepting Christ... Is, is, is really not the end of the Christian journey. It is, it is just the start. It is just the start. And, and just now Matthew mentioned something up there, right? He said that, that really the Christian life is a, is a race. It is a race. And it's very important in a race that you really focus on where the finish line is. And, and Jesus says this as well in this letter, in his advice. He says, if I could go back to the... Can we go back to the passage? Yeah, so if you look somewhere around the, the fourth line, he says, I found your deeds unfinished. There's something unfinished in the church. And, and, and I, think, I think it's a tragedy that a lot of times, a lot of people they just accept Christ and they think that that is the end. It is not. There, there is just so much more to it than that. And, it, and if we go forward, it just goes two slides forward. In 2 Peter 1, verses 5 to 9, it says, So for this very reason, make every effort 
to add to your faith goodness, to your goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and godliness mutual affection, and mutual affection love. We are called to just keep moving on, to keep progressing, and to keep adding to that faith that brought us to salvation, all of these things, and, and build upon that faith. That, that is what I believe the Spirit is saying today. And, and the, reason, the reason why is, is, is that at the end of the day, we all have to give an account to God. And that is something I'll talk about later. But um, just bear that in mind. But um, yeah, let, let's move on to the next, the, next, uh, the next type of Christian that you see in the Church of Sardis. And, and the next type of Christian is what I call Mr. Last Time. This is a guy who's basically living on past glories, okay? And, and we know that this was the case in the church of Sardis because um, when we, what we learn from the passage in verse 2, it says, it says, strengthen what remains. Strengthen what remains. And, and the key here is the word remains. Now, the only way for something to remain is if it was there in the first place. Correct or not? Correct? So, it must, there must have been something there in Sardis in the first place. There must have been something good, something productive, something that Jesus liked about the church. But the thing about it is, is that over time, that had dissipated, that had gone away, and, and there was only a very small amount left, a small amount of that left. And, and this is probably why the church had a great reputation. Everyone knew that it was a church with great power because, you know, reputation takes time to build up. And it also sometimes takes time to go away and people re- think, oh, yeah, Sardis, I remember like last time, they were like this and they were great. But the question that Jesus is looking now, Jesus is looking at the present, he's looking at the future and he's saying that right now, you're dead. And, and in this way, you know, the, the, the church, I've not really talked about the city of Sardis, um, but the city of Sardis actually parallels this because the city of Sardis was actually a, a, a very prosperous city at one point of time. They had a great industries in cloth and, and in, and in uh, wool and carpets. And they had this king uh, called Croesus. And this guy, he, he, he's the guy. I, have you heard of the story of uh, King Midas? The guy who, you know, he, if he touches something, it turns to gold. The, the story of King Midas, some people say, came from. King Croesus. So the historical story was King Croesus, but uh, they, they sort of embellished it and came up with the mythical feature, uh, uh, figure of Midas. And so just like, the, just like the city of Sardis, the church of Sardis had also was one that, oh, sorry, but the city of Sardis had of course declined. It had been conquered twice and, and, and it was now just, it was only living on vestiges of its glory. Its former glory had passed. And the church of Sardis and, and the city of Sardis are very similar uh, in this respect. And, and I've got to be honest, I think I know a, two, a thing or two about um, past glories. And um, I've ha- I hate to admit it. Uh, I struggle with it. I wanted to include this in my sermon. Uh, but I know a thing or two about past glories because, uh, for better or worse, I'm a Liverpool fan. And I support Liverpool Football Club. And unfortunately, we are pretty much, I think, the prime example of uh, living in past glories. Uh, 
it's a bit weird for me to say this the week we qualify for Champions League, but um, but yeah, I still think so. Um, anyway, I'm I'm quite pissed off. But um, yeah, for those of you who don't follow football, uh, you still probably would have heard of Liverpool. Um, but we are one of the most storied clubs in the world. Uh, we we have had great players, we have had great managers, we have had great matches, and um, we 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 um. We won the, 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 what is now called the Champions League five times in our history. That's more than any other British club in, 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 the, in the UK. And we won the, the Premiership 17 times. And that, that was more than any other British club until recently. And, and, and it's like we are supposed to be like the best British club out there. But you know, among all those 17 league titles that we won, there's 17 championships. You know, you know when was the last one? Yeah, 1990. It's like, what, 27 years ago. I think most of, who, who was born in 1990? Hey, come on, I'm sure more people were. Right, anyway, but you, you get the thing, and, and, and the thing about it is, you know, Liverpool Football Club, Great club, I love supporting it, but, but it, it has this problem. And, and, and the sad thing is that when you look at it now, it doesn't look like it's sort of leaving this decline anytime soon, uh, if you look at it realistically, but we never look at it realistically. So it is we're going to win the, the Premier League this season, but, but um, it doesn't look like it's going to leave this decline anytime soon. And, and the question is why, right? And everyone has their own theories. But, but I think I'm an expert on Liverpool Football Club, and I've been to Liverpool, the city, and so I'll proffer my opinion. Uh, and, and, it, and it's really because, you see, the, if you go to the city of Liverpool, and, and um, it's, it's very easy for the club to just start getting used to the way things were done, used to, to, to what worked previously, to, to keep talking about last time, and to keep... Um, doing the business the same way, managing the team the same way, without realizing that the playing field had completely changed, without realizing that the situation is completely different, that there are battles today that need to be sorted out, that you can't do it the same way that won you the 17 league titles, that, that there's something new uh, in here today. And... and and, and what happens in, in that sort of situation is, I think after that, as, as, as those institutions sort of get more and more established, they get more stuck there, people get more traditional, and they're, try, trying to, they're, they're focusing on, on those type of uh, activities that they're doing rather than why they were put there in the first place. It becomes, it's a snowball effect. It becomes harder and harder for, for, for things to move along. And, and, and whenever you tell uh, a Liverpoolian, a real Liverpoolian, like, oh, you know, you need to, you need to modernize, you need to change things, you need to, to look at things differently. They'll be like, ah, oh, no, but this is tradition. You know, this is tradition. And, and, and like, and you know, this is how clubs been. And it's like, they just don't, they just don't see it. And, and you know, it, the, the thing about it is, I feel that sometimes the, it, the church probably, not to that extent, but it, it can be like that. It can be that we, get very used to the way what the Spirit was doing previously. 
And, and, the, and the Spirit has a, there's a season for everything, you know. There's a season for everything. There's a time for everything. And we cannot think that what the Spirit was doing back then was what He wants to do now. We cannot, we cannot have that mentality that, oh, you know, we achieved those glories and, 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 and that's good enough. That, that's what it should be. Because there's a season for everything. And, and, you, and, and you cannot just end up resting on the laurels. You need to keep moving on. You need to be keep thinking, how is the Spirit moving? How are we supposed to progress? What is the next stage? And, and that's, that, I think, is, is what happens in, in the church quite often. And, and yeah, so, so we get complacent. I think complacency is really the heart of, of what, what is uh, at the head, end of the whole thing. And, and you rest on your laurels. And when someone comes and sort of suggests to you that, hey, guys, maybe the current state of affairs isn't really that great, you're like, ah, no, but, you know, that we, we, had, we had that camp, we had, we had this event, and, and it's not so bad. It's not so bad. And, yeah, it, it, it cannot be that it's always about the last camp or last year. It's about what about, what about last week? What about today? What about uh, tomorrow and, and the week ahead? What, what does the Spirit have for you? How is, how is God speaking to you uh, right now? And, and I think, again, once again, I, I, I just, it's the same thing. Again, don't mistake the start for the finish. I, I, I think there's this mentality sometimes, and I, I seem to get it more as I grow older, Especially among guys. I don't know why. I think it's because we go to NS. And there's this mentality that, that you know, like Christian ministry is a bit like, like national service. You, you do your two years, and then after that, you go back and you, you do your reservists every now and then. And, and, and like, but, uh, you know, you, you progress out of it. You sort of graduate from Christian ministry. And I, it really is. I think statistically, it is a problem among guys, especially. Um, I don't know why. And um, a lot of times, I mean, you, you hear the line a lot, and sometimes it's, it's not bad. And a lot of times it's good, where like they say, oh, you know, you need, you need to let the young ones step up more and, and things like that. But, and I think that's good, because that's about passing the baton. But sometimes you hear it in a sense, like, like people have this mentality that, that, you know, after a while you graduate from, from Christian ministry. But really you don't. There's, there's always a work of God. There's always a move of God. And the question is, where are you in the... In, in it at this point of time. And, and, and you never graduate from loving people. You never graduate from serving. You never graduate from, from what God is calling to you to do. It is a lifelong thing. And, and that's something I want you to understand here today. I, it might be a bit premature. I don't know why I'm actually saying this, but I felt led to tell you this because I want you guys to know the big plan, you know? Because it, right now, I think when you're in secondary school, sometimes you just look up to your O-levels and and that's the end of it. But there is a whole lifelong plan that God has in store for each and every person here. And I want you to realize that. And it, it doesn't end with youth ministry. It doesn't end when you start working. It doesn't end when you're 30 or 40. It is, it is a, it's a glorious plan that, that takes an entire lifetime. And He has something in store for you. And it's always, it's always getting better. It's always improving. So, if, so don't live on past glories. And, um, and yeah, so this is the second type of Christian that you see in the Church of Sardis. The, the Mr. Last Time, the guy who's just like, like Liverpool Football Club. And, 
And yeah, and, and the, next, the next Christian that I want to talk about is, is one that I think I can relate to quite well um, this past few weeks. Um, because I've, I, over the past few weeks, I've really been caught up with a lot of church activity. Uh, I've been like, I've actually, I think, texted my young adult CG like more times over the past week than I have like any other week. Uh, I've been, I, we were trying to sort out some Bible study thing and, and this and that. And like, there's like things for like the PPH ki- uh, kindergarten that, that I needed to do. And uh, there's this sermon and stuff like that. And, and you know, I've been pretty occupied. I won't say I'm super busy, but I've been pretty occupied. But as I was preparing this sermon, I, I realized somewhere along the way that there's really something missing in, um, in, in, in what I was, uh, in my life at the point of time. And I realized that it was really the Holy Spirit. Like, I was really just going through it. I was filling myself with activity, but I soon realized that there's really not much difference between this activity and the type of work that I was doing at work. You know, like, and, and, and that's the problem. I think the problem is sometimes we can easily slip into these type of situations because God has given us so many talents. God has given us the skills and the abilities. You know, we, we, aren't, we, aren't, um, we aren't incapable. We aren't people who are incapable. We are fairly smart. Some of us are really smart. Uh, we, we, we have leadership skills. You know, like some of you represent your school in competitions, in Olympiads, uh, in Odyssey of the Mind. I, mean, I don't get Odyssey of the Mind. It's like, why is it an Odyssey? It, like, why can't it just be a journey, but, but it's an odyssey? Uh, and, and, and people, and, and uh, you know, like, people are slowly taking up leadership positions and things like that. And, and, and it's very easy that the church just becomes um, something like one of those things. And, um, and, and I, once someone told me that he was, he was from another church and he was planning for a camp, a youth camp, and they went through an entire, entire, committee meeting or a few committee meetings without praying a single time, without praying a single time. And the question is, you know, that, that is just so dangerous. That is just so dangerous. And, that, and that, was, that was what was happening, I think, more than of any of the other things. This is really what Jesus was talking to the Church of Sardis. Because I believe that Church of Sardis, the Church of Sardis did not just have a name, did not just have uh, a label of being a Christian. But they also had the outward actions. They, they were going through all the different things. There was the activity. There were the programs. And, and that's why people were saying, look, oh, the church of Sardis, they are alive. But no, Jesus was saying that spiritually you are dead. And that is because your works come from human effort and not the Holy Spirit. Your works come from hu- the human effort and not the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the Holy Spirit is central um, the whole thing. And I just want to say that, you know, um, I mean, just I was talking to you about like how over the past few weeks, the Spirit was missing and, and I felt, and, and I felt I knew I needed to get right with God uh, on this front. But maybe, maybe if I could tell you uh, another experience I had just a few months ago, and this is an amazing experience to me, personally. Um, I, I've been working for about, uh, I think, four years. And for the first time in those four years, I actually took some of my work and really dedicated it to God. And oh, what do I mean by this? Um, I had to fly to Manila. There's this week when I had to fly to Manila 
And then at the same week, I had to fly to Kuala Lumpur. And I had to deal with two, two separate issues, uh, two complaints that had come about. And I was completely stressed. And I, I, I really didn't know what to do. There was so much uncertainty. And something just spoke to me at that point of time. And I said, and it said to me, you just need to pray. And this was the first time that I actually took a piece of work, like a, a, a problem I had at work, and just went to God for, for just one hour praying, praying about it, praying for direction. And it was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, that whole week, it really brought like new, new um, light to the whole verse. You know, you'll, you'll soar on wings like eagles. That whole week, it was effortless. It was effortless. I really felt like I was operating on this other level. And this is not church. Guys, this is not church. This is my secular work. And, and, and this is what I'm saying that, that really, and it brought, brought new revelation to my eyes because I was like, what, what have I been missing all this while? What have I been missing all this while operating as a Christian without the Holy Spirit? And, and yeah, so, that, so that's the church of Sardis. And, and um, so three things, three, three types of Christians that you meet there. And um, what does it all mean for us at the end of the day? Um, well, <laughs> I think, um, so the application I think is this. Um, if you look at the advice that Jesus gives, he says, wake up. And, and then he says a whole bunch of other things. And, and in, in, the, in the King James Version, it says, be watchful. That, that's the, that, that's the word, words that it uses. And I think that's what we need to do. We really need to be watchful of, um, of, of, of where we are going here. And um, what does this mean? Um, I think it means a lot of things. If you look at verse 4, it's quite a long verse. But I want to focus on two things, two points of application, which, which I hope we can take away. And, and the first is that, that we need to be prepared to give an account. Uh, I think you need to click one more time. You need to prepare to be given an account. And, and what I mean by this, you see, each of the letters to the seven churches, they, they were sort of a progress report. Now, why, why did Jesus write these letters to the seven churches? Is it because he had nothing better to do? Is it because he likes writing like lawyers? No, it's because he wanted to update them on, on where they stood. And he wanted them, and what's the purpose of giving that progress report? So that they can act upon it. And, and each of them were like a progress report. They're a bit like your prelims uh, to your O-levels, to your A-levels. It sort of tells you, okay, where, where should you improve on and, and, and things like that. And, and the reason he gives this, so if, if this is the progress report, if this is the prelims, then what is the O-levels? The, the, the O-levels or the A-levels is, is when he comes again because there will be an accounting to be given to him. And that is the real end. I keep saying don't mistake the start for the end, but the real end is when he comes again because there will be an accounting uh, to be given to him. In the book of Matthew, they talk about the parable of the talents, uh, Matthew 25. And, and this is not a parable uh, uh, sorry, the parable of talents. Talents is not like talents that you have, like you're a good football player or you, you, you are very good at using chopsticks or, 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 or whatnot. Talents is actually a currency uh, back then in the day. It's a bit like the euro or, or pounds. So it's, and, and so this is the parable of talents. 
And in the NIV, they use the word bag of gold. And basically what happened, most of you would know this parable. Uh, the master, the master represents Jesus. Jesus gives um, uh, three servants. He has three servants and he gives one of them five bags of gold. He gives the other two bags of gold and he gives the last one one bag of gold. And those with five bags of gold and two bags of gold, they went and they invested the money. They went and did things with the money. And at the end, the guy with five bags of gold, he got another five bags investing the money. And so at the end, he had 10 bags of gold. The guy with two bags of gold, he got another two bags and then he had four bags of gold. But the last guy, the last guy, what did he do? He took, he took the, the money and he buried it in the sand and, and he waited for Jesus to come back. And, and when, when the master came back, he was like, oh, to the first two guys, he was like, good and faithful servant. Um, you, have, you, have, you have grown my money and, what, um, and I've put, what you have been faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much and, and, and you shall share in my happiness. But to the second, to the, sorry, to the last um, to the last servant, he said, oh, you are a wicked servant for burying the, the, the money in the sand. You, you have not grown it. You have not done anything with it and, and throw him out. And, and you know, and this type of accounting that, that Jesus is talking about, it is mentioned in, in the letter to Sardis in the advice because Jesus says that if you are not watchful, I will come to you like a thief, and you'll not know the time that I come. You know, when I was younger, I would read um, verses like this, and I'd get a bit scared, because uh, they, they seem like very scary. Because, you know, Jesus is always represented like as a shepherd, as the lamb, as, um, as the priest, and always in a positive light. But now he's actually saying he'll come like a thief. And he's telling this to believers. He's telling this to the church, the church to believers. And I would get scared when I was, when I was young. Or, or if you look at verse 5 of the letter, the, I will never blot out his name from the book of life. And then I would think to myself, well, does that mean that if you do not, if you're not watchful, you can have your name blotted out? And I think the, the verse that really sort of sums this type of thinking up was Matthew 7, 22 to 23. And I'll just read it out. And it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, did we not drive out demons? And in your name, did we not perform miracles? And I'll tell to them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And yeah, so these things would scare me because it, it really like shook um, my, my own faith in terms of like, well, what does it mean? Am I, am I like the bad servant and, and, and things like that? Well, so let me assure you first that, that look, the first thing we need to remember is that we are, we are justified by, by, by great grace and our faith, not by our deeds. Uh, we, we do not earn our salvation through, through deeds. And, and the Lord is merciful. Just because, you know, you stumble, just because you sin. Uh, now and then you fall to temptation just because you're dealing with, with certain sins in your life and you, you are really trying to, to overcome them. does not mean he's going to suddenly be all like, oh, I'm going to come like a thief in the night. He is merciful. There is, he gives he's a lot of second chances. He, he, the Holy Spirit works with you and it grows you. But at the same time, I don't want to sugarcoat these verses. And, 
and it is in the Bible. It is there, and it is the truth. And, you know, so, so people would say that, yeah, I mean, I, as in, it is real that there will be some people who are believers, who's professed to believe in Christ, who said, Lord, Lord, but they will not make it to the kingdom of heaven. That is a fact. It is there in the Bible. And the question that everyone asks is, well, who are those people? Uh, and, and, and that's a question for really another time, I, I, I feel. Uh, it's not something you can go into. But I think the lesson that we need to learn is that we really need to be wary. We really need to be careful. We need to, to constantly be looking, be watchful of the day that we have to account. Because I think one of the lies that comes uh, in life and also from the devil is that we always have three options before us. You either go forward, you go backwards, or you stand still. And, and that's great in theory, but I, I be, what I feel is uh, for a lot of things in life, that is just not true. There's only two options. You either go forward or you're going backward. And it's like you're 2.4, you know? You train for your 2.4. You train and you train and you train and you, and you hit 10, 10 minutes. And then what happens? You stop training for, for four months. And then are you going to still be at 10 minutes after the four months? No, you, you'd, you'd go backward. But somehow we get it in our heads that you can do that with a Christian life. You, you, can, you can take a break. You can, you can at any time, you know, say, okay, I'm pretty much satisfied here. Let, let's just chill. And I'm not saying that we don't have sabbaticals and things like that, but, but it is a constant journey. It is a constant race. It is always one foot before the other. And even if it's two steps backwards, it is one foot, uh, sorry, if it's one step backwards, it's two steps forwards and, and things like that. We keep pressing on towards the goal that we are called to. And, and that's, that's what I believe that Jesus is saying firstly. That, and the only way to keep watchful is to be prepared to give that account. Is to look at ourselves and look at the three types of Christians that we are talking about here, at least for today, from the book of uh, Revelation from the letter to Sardis and look at it and, and really see where are we in, 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 in uh, how, do we identify with any of them? Do we identify with any of them? And, and if so, what are we going to do? I think a lot of times we, we just sit there and think, oh, no, it's okay. You know, uh, I'll deal with it another time. But what are we going to do? And, and that's, I think, the next question, I, the next thing I want to point out. And that's to worship in spirit and in truth. And, and I think this is the key. Uh, to this whole thing. And it's really what I want to focus on. And what do we do? That what we do is, is really approach God and ask for the Holy Spirit. Um, at the heart of it, at the heart of all three types of Christians was one common characteristic. And that was a lack of the Holy Spirit. Now, they had the label of being a Christian. They, they, they had the name. Some of them even had the actions, but they lacked the Spirit. And, and that is critical. And that is really what Jesus is, is saying here today, and it is no coincidence that at the start of the letter, Jesus says, uh, Jesus' letter, he, he attributes to himself, he's uh, the, the one who holds the seven spirits. And what are the seven spirits? Now, there are a few, few interpretations about this, but generally the seven spirits, most people think it to be the sevenfold spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit. So it's talking about the Holy Spirit and, and where does this sevenfold spirit come from? If you can go to the next slide. It is from Isaiah eleven twenty eight. 
two to three. It is the seven spoils for the spirit of the Lord will rest upon the spirit of wisdom, of understanding, of counsel, of might, of knowledge, and of fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And that's what was missing in the church of Sardis. And that's what I, I want us to look at today, even as I uh, invite the musicians up. And And as I invite the musicians up, I just want us to go into a time of, of prayer. Um, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is, is present. And um, the Holy Spirit is actually a person. I'm not sure if you know that. It's not like something like, the, like you know, you watch Star Wars and it's like the force out there. The Holy Spirit is actually a person. And it's a person who, wants, who, who talks to us, who interacts with us. Uh, who, and I believe that He has something to tell us today. And, and I ask that you just let the Holy Spirit come in and, and speak to you into your lives today. As you reflect upon what I've said, um, just ask the Holy Spirit to, 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 to speak to you about if there's things in your life that He, he wants to address. And I'm going to pray now. Um, and as I pray, I just want to give us a chance to respond um, as we feel led. Uh, there might be those who feel that you identify with, with one of the types of uh, Christians that I talked about today. For whatever reason, you feel that the Spirit has been missing in your life. If that is you, I believe that God's Word today is, is that He's unfinished with you. He has more in store for you. And today, He wants to pour His Spirit out on you. And even as I pray and, and, and the Spirit speaks to you, if that is you and the, and, and the band plays, will you respond? So let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank You. I thank You that You're here and that You're real and seeking to work in our lives. And I just pray right now that You just touch the spirit man of, of each of my brothers and sisters here and pour out your wisdom and your understanding, your counsel and might and knowledge of the Lord upon them. And I believe that, that you have, God, you have placed great potential in each of them. And Lord, I just pray that you just quicken their spirit to now fulfill 
realize their potential that is in them. So Father, I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's rise as we worship.
is, Lord, is it me? Lord, is this a message for me? And, and, and like what John Han was saying, this is the thrust of this letter to Sardis. Jesus says, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. And you know, this is not meant to be like a, a, a condemnation, like, oh, yes, we, we all suck and all that, because he then goes on to say, Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. Come back. Repent. Turn back. And that's always the heart of Jesus, to repent and turn back. And so as we close the service today, let's just think about, let's just spend time individually with God and think about this. Wake up, strengthen what remains, and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Lord, is it I? Lord, is this me? I know your deeds, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains, and it's about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God.
passion for your name. Help us to be watchful. Help us to live by your Holy Spirit and stir that passion in our hearts, God. Because, God, you are worthy. You are worthy of, of, of our lives. You are worthy of our adoration, our service, our devotion, our praise, and our worship. And so we say we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right. God bless you. Join us for dinner at the sim.